0: Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life podcast. Today, Peter and I are continuing to talk about the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, What we're noticing lately is how uncomfortable people are uh, and unable to talk freely and openly about death and dying. And we have some thoughts that we want to share with you today about, about what that shows us about our culture, our community's uh, real difficulty in facing our own death, our own mortality, and what do we lose by not looking at that basic fact that we all face. Hello again and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Mm-hmm. Today we continue in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter as he likes to be called, is a coach, a mentor, with almost 50 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times. The stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced that adversity is more than a trial to endure, it can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive.
1: This is one time when I think that, in, that intro right there is, is more real. And uh, I, I think the thing we've been talking about for so long in our, in our, in our different episodes, um, sometimes, you know, it's, it, it, it may apply to, it applies to everyone as far as we're concerned, but I think many times the people that would relate to this the most, are people involved in the extraordinary realities, caregivers, first responders, people on the front lines that do see sickness and dying and death and difficulty. Um, and, but now, now it's everyone. And we function in that extraordinary reality every day, personally and professionally. Um, I think Jenny gave it away when she talked about the, the beginnings of it. You know, it's the diff- what's really interesting is it's a, it's a heavy topic and yet at the same time it's so filled with hope and it's filled with a, a embracing a freedom that comes from certain parts of this that a lot of people wouldn't see unless they've been through it or understand it and that's what we're going to why we're going to talk about this my personal experience so far is that people are very uncomfortable not just with what's happening with the covid-19 crisis um, I think that the, what it's bringing up is such an incredible intensity of anxiety yes, and discomfort. That, yeah, that yeah. Anxiety. But you know, so you look at that. We've we've seen people make themselves sick over the paranoia and anxieties. Um, we also—it's pretty uncomfortable out there. I mean, I'll say that. Um, but more than that, there's more to it than just what appears to be very anxious, uncomfortable people are doing a very uncomfortable time. Um, there's more. And you've got to ask yourself, and I do, what's behind all this anxiety? Um, we live, work in a world where we deal with death and dying and sickness all the time, and yet we find ways to, to find and embrace a path to resilience and hope. Um, and we've seen so many times that we're not talking about some kind of transcendent metaphorical, meta, metaphysical kind of nonsense. Whoever's into that, I'm sorry, but we're not. But what I am talking about is um, uh, when you go through it, there's a lot of things that you begin to discover. Truths about life and in yourself and what you're really capable of during difficult times. Now I know not everybody understands it or even embraces it. In fact there's many people take a look at it, and even when it's fa- in their face, in their families and loved ones, they will go the other way. They're, they'll find a million reasons to not be around, um, to disappear, to not offer a lending hand. And there's many of those too, and that's not unusual either. But I'm talking about a, a, a difficult subject, and um, it's interesting. Because the world we live in has made us somewhat more, famili- more familiar and comfortable with some very difficult subjects in life. Um, it's a condition of life that most people don't want to even think about or embrace in any way. Well, we've been the other kind. We're, if we see an emergency or a crisis or somebody in need, we've been the kind of people that are there for them, or pro- professionally and personally. Um, so we've learned a lot, it was always a learning, about ourselves and as caregivers and first responders. Um, dealing with people in tremendous pain, Um, families that are really struggling with, with horrendous difficulties. So it's something that we've been through an awful lot, so we're kind of familiar with it. And the people that surround us, they're familiar with it too, but when you step out into the public,
0: you did that this weekend, or, or was it I've been, yesterday? but this weekend I saw a difference. You had a real, uh, really kind of a moment you shared with us this morning with a neighbor that really kind of crystallized what you're talking about.
1: Well, I've seen it a number of times. People have asked me, yeah. um, they asked me about my wife, they asked me what we're doing and how we're doing, and I tell them. And I can tell them in a way that's not just a matter of fact but that's very really alive and very forthright and authentic and genuine, that's the way I am. But what I'm seeing is to talk about the subject of death and dying is a very heavy subject for a lot of people. Now I'm not saying I talk to them in a depressing way, I don't. Um, just the subject matter, mm-hmm. and we've talked a lot about in the past in the past episodes of this extraordinary reality, and it, we're talking about a part of life that everybody going to face, and yet we have lived such a distracted life designed to be distracted from those kinds of things, um, that people have kept themselves very busy and very distracted, uh, investing themselves in what they think will give them control and security over their lives, uh, particularly in America, um, where we, you know, we invest ourselves in financial security, in achieving success, getting ahead.
0: We've those the tangible things. The
1: tangible, and that's what we've talked about in past episodes. I think when we first talked about it, we talked about it during the Great Recession because we saw so many people being stripped of everything that they thought would give them control over their lives and security and it was taken away very quickly um, and pretty abruptly and painfully for sure. We saw changes that people went through during that time. At first they were terrified and just in paralysis, um, not knowing how to cope because they had invested themselves in one part of life. Um, But they forgot about other parts of life. Mm -hmm. We call it the intangibles. And um, we realized that the real security in life comes from investing in the intangibles. Caring about others and uh, being selfless in the way you love someone, um, uh, being grateful for life, um, being grateful for what you have in your life, even if it's not money. It could be other things. You got it could family, your go health,
0: loving relationships, your health, your your spiritual practice—any number of things that exactly. mean so much to you. And those
1: are the, those are some of the intangibles. So, we talked about that. In fact, we wrote a book about it because we saw people were in such need. We also wrote articles for local newspapers, and we had published articles in professional journals about it because we saw how scared people were mm-hmm. and immobilized. Now, we were affected dear, deeply too. Uh, we weren't, we weren't immune to what happened. We, uh, but one of the things is, personally, is uh, uh, I've been through these kinds of things before, and it, it helped me build a, a reservoir or an arsenal of experiences that I could draw upon, not just to cope in the old ways, but just knowing that I could get through it, and I will come out of it somehow, probably for the better. But most people don't feel that way and they don't take as many risks as I lived the kind of life I've lived. Well now things have changed because we have not an epidemic, we have a pandemic. It's all over the world. And it's a serious one. There's no question the world is a broken place and if there's any any time to prove that, here you go. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a place that is not perfect. It's a place that things that we don't expect happen and they affect many people. I've never seen anything like this to this extent before. No, not in our lifetimes. No, not. I've never seen this. But even though um, it seems really dangerous and drastic and frightening, I also see it as an opportunity um, to shift people away from what they've been. They went right back after uh, that terrible recession they went. I was hoping it wouldn't happen. They went right back to putting their, them investing themselves in succeeding and financial success and all the things that got them in trouble the first time. They went. I was hoping it wouldn't be that way. Well, it, for many, It
0: seems it, to have gone back the other well, way. Well,
1: guess what? Yeah. Here we are, only even more so this time because we're not just talking about financial being f- stripped financially. We're talking about health. We're talking about dying and death. So this one's even more severe. The other fell plain much. It did many times like it was a death. But this is literally what we have in the United States. About sixty-seven thousand already that have died from from this. I think two hundred and seventy-nine thousand. Um, no, that's the amount of people that have died in other places. Two hundred seventy-nine okay. thousand. And there's, uh, I don't know, I can't remember all the statistics. It's large. They're significant. It's significant. And I'm not, I read the statistics, I still have a hard time registering. But the point is, it's for real. Nobody's denying that. And it's enough to make anybody anxious. And some people, uh, there's plenty of people that have had trauma in their pasts. that there's a phenomena that we're seeing that the old fears from the past are being triggered off. So the old fears are coming up, and contaminating, a naturally fearful situation, but it makes it so overdone with paranoia and hysteria and panic mm-hmm. and um, people are making themselves sick, we've seen it. And it's, it's pretty intense stuff, um, they're terrified. Yeah. But that's where things get way out of control and we see too many people like this. So I'm looking at this and I'm going, you know, I, people ask me things during the week and I answered frankly and openly and naturally, and what I see is very uncomfortable reactions. Um, yesterday was interesting, a neighbor and I, and she does relate to this, but she was mm-hmm. sitting with some, another woman and they were in a glass of water. You know, and I was talking to them, she asked how things were going at the Institute and I told her what's happening. And then we were talking about attending to the dying and the sick, and talking about the pandemic and that it's making everybody face their mortality, and it's in their face. The lady who was sitting with her started choking and gasping. Mm-hmm. She got, it just triggered her mm-hmm. physically. And I know, and I, she had to get up and walk away and whatever. And I was telling the uh, uh, woman I was talking to Sue, Susan, she's a wonderful lady, and I says, you know, it's a subject matter that did that. Susan doesn't react that way, we don't. But many people do. Mm-hmm. And during the week I've seen so much of that and thinking, this is almost too hard for them right now, too much to take. Things that we're so accustomed to. Um, And nobody talks about it. Nobody ever talked to me about it. And um, I realized this is a subject that should be talked about more openly. Because it's a condition of life that we're all going to face. Even though there's a very small percentage of folks that are going to die from the virus, Um, There's another reality to it. We may not die from that, but it brings home another fact. We're all going to die. No one is going to get out alive. And it's bringing that reality home that terrifies a lot of people. Is it a scary proposition? I'll tell you what. For me it used to be I'm getting so familiar with the dying process that it's not as frightening anymore. And death and dying are something that aren't so removed from me anymore, or aren't so far away from me. And it's almost like a part of life that I've accepted and deal with and contend with, not just for my of course not for myself, other than as a caregiver and someone I love as a person. But it's almost like this is something we help lots of people with. And we see all of this, their reactions to it, and how destructive they can get. When they're, they're so terrified, they don't know what to do.
0: Yes, we've seen that too. Yeah. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Peter and I are talking about the fear uh, that uh, so many people feel now around the pandemic, the COVID-19 panic. There's the the current uh, fear of the disease, of death and dying in that respect, which because we have been in this extraordinary reality, that we call it, of, of really working and living in, an, in, a, in a milieu of death and dying. There's a big word. But um, that we know that it's not just that that is triggering the panic that people are feeling. Um, the fear that they can be feeling can also be something that has been triggered from their past that has happened to them, an experience or a loss. Mm -hmm. And then even beyond that, we know that there is the fear that we carry of our own death.
1: Right. And you know, yes, and one of the things, I want to quote, I want to just refer to an article, I'd like anybody who's interested, this is a great article, and it was, where did we find it? In the Wall Street Journal. But it's written by C. Cavan Rowe, who's a theological professor at Duke University.
0: It's called, Dying Gives Us a Chance to Confront Truth, and it was published on Friday the 27th of April.
1: It's, a, it's an article that says a lot of what we say, um, and I love the way he sp- spoke about it. Now, this is a man who's a professor, so he's an intellectual, right? And yet this paper... He doesn't write from no. that place. No, and the reason is his wife is dying. And he's been he's been her caregiver, and he's he's had time with her, Mm -hmm. and um, he talks about um, how much what he's learned and what he continues to learn with his wife. And I personally am also going through the same thing with my wife, as well as my mother, and helping other people deal with issues very much the same. So it's something that I could relate to. I also felt that it was so timely, and um, he wrote some. Different parts to it. I've, I've read this article six, seven times, oh, at least, and I think it's that good. Um, but I, I like what this one thing. He says the COVID-19 pandemic has swept away the illusions that led. He was a. He, I guess he's a pastor too. Uh, led his congregation and much of the world to ignore death. He says the virus will kill only a small minority of the world, yet its prevalence has reminded people everywhere that if COVID doesn't kill them, COVID-19, something else will. That is absolutely a basic fact of life, but yet so many of us are so afraid of it. Um, and uh, I've always, and I guess other people have heard this, is no one will get out of this life alive. And and that's a basic, but yet how many people keep that in the front of their mind, or at least keep that as, as a as a part of their life to know that that's, that's true. And to embrace life in a different way. Um, Many people don't. They're very distracted, busily, doing everything they could not to look at that. And you will kind of ask yourself sometimes what drives people so hard? Is it just the love of money or the love of financial security and physical security? It's more than that. It is a fear that they won't survive. And the truth is most people will, but that fear just is... Runs through the, our society. It runs through the world. Um, unless you go to parts of the world, and I know f- I've heard from friends in Africa, in other parts of the where else? I'm trying to remember. But they live very close to that reality.
0: Much closer than we
1: do. Much of the time. Yeah. And when I talk to them, and they talk about it, it's affect. This virus is affecting them too. But yet, their fear of this is not like ours. No. Because they've lived at that, in that place of being so close to death, many have been we knew have been affected by death, terrible yeah. death and dying, um, and yet, this doesn't seem to freak them out as much.
0: I think one dramatic uh, difference that illustrates this is how, as the culture, the cultures like the Fijian culture and other cultures similar, how much they are willing. I think it's important for kids, their children, to appreciate different generations and don't shelter them from uh, a a relative, an elderly relative who's dying. I know mine growing up, and I don't claim to be typical, but I think I'm a little more typical of the United States, is that the idea is that children need to be protected from that experience, that it's Mm -hmm. somehow overwhelming or too scary, and so we don't talk about that or we don't let that be seen.
1: It can be overwhelming and scary. It could be something, that's, but you have to be able to help, the, help a child understand this is a part of life. And there's ways to do it. I've had uh, people in my life who have been caregivers of my family from Haiti, and their children knew more about the death and dying of the elderly than, than I did. And they were very gracious comfortable, it was a normal life, they just got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen it in Fijians, I've seen it, uh, God, I can't, my mind's going blank, but I've seen it, but not in America, not in our culture, and my guess is in the European cultures it's also true, not just ours. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 this man, uh, what's his name? Excuse me, Kevin Rowe yeah he writes very interestingly because he talks about the um, dying process and um, he says you know most people think a quick death is the way to go
0: yeah I just die in my sleep no feel it perfect
1: or, or someone just and he says the opposite is true and I can affirm and attest to he's right and he's talking he talked about in the middle of, in medieval ages um, the Christian culture had a a,
0: a, 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 practice. a doctrine
1: or a practice, yeah. and it was called Ars mariende, and it had to do with um, so I understand it, but developed a set of practice to help us tell this truth and to prepare to for death Ars mariende the translation is the art of dying and um, he 's saying that in our culture um, it seems to be a good thing to see a death coming quickly and to get it over with. And he says the opposite is this doctrine is, is and practice is different. I agree with him. And um, what Arsmar India does is it's, it talks about how much you can, the, the process, how much it teaches us, and how much we learn.
0: How much we can learn by preparing for this important event.
1: And boy, does it put people, all of us, through changes. There's not nobody's immune to it. Puts caregivers through it. Puts family members through it. Oh, first responders, doctors, nurses, uh, absolutely puts all of us through it. But I think I think it's the things that you have time to learn during that time that make the authenticity of life so much more important, and the conviction to be truthful and honest so much more important. And all of a sudden the little things that people get all upset about don't really matter too much anymore. Um, It brings about a deep appreciation and gratitude for the little things of life that are important. Um, there's There's a process that we learn about ourselves, and it also gives us time. It certainly draws us closer to death and understanding it. So it takes a sting out of it in some ways after a while. We just It doesn't mean it doesn't affect us emotionally. I'm not no, saying that. Not that. But it's, it's not something that we're running away from um, at, to the point of making ourselves sick or worse. Um, it's something that we're getting comfortable with and realize it's just part of life.
0: I think people don't realize. I think part, part of why people avoid dealing with, thinking about looking at dying and death, is that they don't realize about the things you're talking about right now, the valuable things that can come in life by preparing for
1: death. Well, he says it beautifully. He says, says, uh, when you see death coming and you have time to uh, deal with it and prepare, there's a chance to live life fully, absolutely. Even to the last hour, mm-hmm. a person can become a mature human being who lives by a commitment to the truth and they can, they can mature right into the last breath. I have seen it, I've been involved with people, I watch my wife now, she has a grace and a maturity even with her debilitating disease uh, and I've seen it with others and it just puts things in perspective. Mm-hmm. For the caregivers that really have a heart for people, not just go, who go to school and are uh, good performers, but people who really have a giving, caring heart, it, it just kind of, uh, it's a privilege. It becomes a privilege to take care of people who are sick and dying and be part of their, their life to the last breath as difficult as it is and as agonizing a process, so much good comes out of it. Very much. It's hard to tell anybody unless they've been through it, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have told me this in all the years I've helped people recover from trauma. I have never had an understanding or deep empathy for this process as I do now. I've also never been so selfless in my way of loving and giving. And not expecting a whole lot back, almost nothing. And yet the privilege of giving and caring has brought that selfless, matured love out of me. And i am going to be honest with you, as difficult as it is, I'm so grateful. I know many people don't know it. They can profess it in churches and synagogues. This is different. It's living it and getting to that place. I know a lot of people, and I used to be this way, they agree that it's a very valuable thing to go through. They don't have a clue about how to live that kind of love. We've seen enough relationships, they're stuck in a very early part of their life as a couple and they came together and they were attracted, they loved it and they never moved past that place. Mm-hmm. So they never really came to a selfless kind of place in loving. I've seen it over and over Sometimes again. Too often, yes. And I probably would have been one of those to some degree, not as much as others, because I've always been involved with my wife in a very growing, loving relationship. I've always loved her, and and I know we've matured together through a lot of difficulties. But I know a lot of people; they don't have a clue. It, to them, it's like, "Show me the map. I have no idea how to get there," and so they're stuck. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you, facing this kind of Thing that we're facing today can change all of that for the better. There's your hope. Because we're talking about facing a very difficult condition of life that's an extraordinary reality and actually finding meaning and purpose and um, a conviction of authenticity and truthfulness. That's so refreshing. It can be a little upsetting sometimes. Or, We've had one of our caregivers who was, we love her today, she's not like this, but she talks about it in some of the posts. That she, uh, she was a performer and she did all the right things for the sake of other people and their approval. And my own wife, who she was taking care of, turned her, and this when I was sick, and she said, you are such a phony. And she won, she won it. It was Haloa. Mm-hmm. Now the reason I can say is something, Haloa writes this in her post. Yes,
0: yeah, she's written about it.
1: And she is the opposite today. She said that was a turning point in her life. And she was almost 80 years old. She's a pretty awesome 80, I gotta say. I don't know anybody 80 that no, looks like her. She's pretty unique. She's amazing. But I gotta say, it did turn her life around. That Hearing that from Lynn at that time was such a shake-up for Haloa. Mm-hmm. And it turned Haloa around. All of a sudden, Haloa began to understand what really loving somebody looks like, what it feels what like. that
0: was all about.
1: And then she examines the rest of her life and says, I don't have that in my life. And she I'm, wasn't like it either.
0: And she had the integrity to say, I want
1: it. And she wants it. And she's a, a pretty unusual, incredible lady.
0: We'll come back to that. Yeah. You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before our break, uh, Peter and I were talking about the value of preparing for death. It's a serious subject, but also a hopeful one. What do we lose out on by denying, avoiding, uh, looking at some of these most important times of life and uh, how can we take advantage of uh, this opportunity now with Mm COVID-19 to face some of these very frightening but real issues around death and dying, how can we use those to help us become people with more more depth, with more authenticity, Mm -hmm. with a better understanding of the meaning and purpose in life? Mm. and a better ability to be selfless and loving.
1: That's right. Those are some of the important things for sure. And, um, you know, I was thinking, you know, when you read the Bible, they talk about death and dying. And they talk about life afterward, you know, and especially in the Christian world. But it said, the Old Testament does too. But Jesus said in the Bible, He said, You really will never live until you face death, until you know death. And He was right it gives you such a freedom once you face death and accept death as part of life. It gives you a whole new outlook on life. And it it draws out your sincere purpose in life about what's really important and what you put on this earth for. And it also puts you in a place of re-examining your life and realizing what you haven't done. And it's a good time to take some time to reevaluate the kind of life you've been the living, the person you've been. Um, are you a person that lives to please others and work to just for their approval? Is your whole identity based on pleasing others? And uh, is your whole identity based on? Here's a good one, and we see it We really see it now. I'll talk about it in a minute. Is your identity based on your career and the company you work for? Um, do you know yourself outside of your work? outside of your corporate trappings, outside of your career talents, whatever it is, do you know who you are personally? And I've seen a lot of people, they don't. Yes. This is is a very good time, this time of this pandemic, to look at those things. Painful and agonizing, oh it will be, but it's still so valuable to your life. Um, today we had a, in a staff meeting. We were talking about we we have a calling um, to train and, and help caregivers of all kinds, first responders, caregivers, on self care because they're committed to doing living in an extraordinary reality that a lot of people don't choose to do. It's a difficult one, no. very distressing, but yet these people do, and yeah, it's, it's
0: a, a sacrificial role that they're willing to take Yeah, and they feel
1: very called to it. Yeah. Um, the way we've seen them take care of themselves leaves a lot to be desired.
0: That's a problem of the see.
1: Uh, yeah, and we're seeing it quite a bit. We've done many episodes on. We when we turn to do these these uh, podcasts, we wanted to reach more people, and we actually were have instructed them in earlier episodes. I think in the, early 40s episodes, because we've done, what, 75 now?
0: 75.
1: Talk about how to pay attention, how these things affect the body when you give. And when you're an empathic type of giver, all first responders are, you take in a lot. You absorb the energy of these very difficult situations. There's not too much training that I've seen that really understand, they may understand after difficulty you need to debrief that's not enough. Well,
0: one of the really extraordinary calls that might be go out on them is just very devastatingly traumatic but the day-by-day regular trauma of the day that isn't seen as something that needs exactly. to be looked at and dealt with.
1: And it has a it has a, a cumulative effect.
0: We talked about the statistics too uh, of cancer rates, uh, substance abuse rates, so high- um, suicide rates, divorce rates for first responders are all Quite Eight, a bit higher than 80%, the average 80% divorce rate. And we see this as a direct result of this this uh, intense traumatic intake that doesn't get dealt with.
1: That's right. And they don't know how to deal with it. But they they're good people. We're not saying oh, that. good they're Very good people. But yet there's a certain defensiveness they have about it. They're they're on the front lines, and they deal with overwhelming, frightening situations. Death and dying. So, yeah. And they have to have a facade that makes them feel like they're stronger and more. And no one can understand it other than the people who go through it themselves and are in that job. It's not true, but that is part of the armoring of first responders. We've seen it in caregivers too, but more for the more literal first responders. Mm -hmm. Good people. Mm -hmm. I have a real heart for them, Mm -hmm. but I also know when it comes to real self-care, when I see with the really high cancer rates, much higher than the norm. Suicide rates, much higher than the norm. Um, uh, God, there's so many things. Divorce, who's 80%? That's that a That was a shocking statistic. That's a shocking statistic, yes. But and the alcohol, the drugs, all well, pretty kind of common. Mm-hmm. Um, and they live as part of their culture. And at the same time, there may, there needs to be a shift, and I think there is to some degree, that unless they do self-care they're going to burn out and the negatives are going to start happening and their health is going to go I I have very good friends that are first responders, it's happened to all of them. Mm -hmm. There's not one that's escaped it and they're very good people. So we know it's true, we've seen for caregivers, we've been involved in helping uh, home caregivers and professional caregivers at home, and we've seen how dedicated they can be and selfless particularly in other cultures. Self-care though, is they sure don't have that. And some of the best caregivers we know are from Haiti, from Fiji. Uh, we have some on our team that are remarkable people. We've also seen self-care doesn't seem to be built into their culture. And it's very important.
0: No.
1: So we've been teaching that and emphasizing because we talk about the way to st- find resilience even through the difficulties and the struggles and, and pain and suffering. Okay, here we are. Everybody is facing an extraordinary reality.
0: Everybody is in this.
1: That's the big huge change. Yes. It, before it was a very specialized part of population that do this work. Now it's, you don't have to do the work, all of us are facing this extraordinary reality. Yes. You don't have work, um, your health is on the line, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of things filling the media about how dangerous things are and what you need to do. I've seen people become absolutely paranoid. We've seen people act very badly to each other, particularly in the early parts of this. They
0: feel threatened, yes, and then they lose track of how everyone around them is in the same position.
1: Right. So we've seen it, but we know that they they can come through it. But what I am seeing is not just the high anxiety, It's the fear of dying and death and how people have kept it so far away now it's facing them every day on a massive level. I think that out of that a lot of good can come.
0: You mentioned them just after the break, you mentioned some good things that come. Mm -hmm. You said that if we're able to face death, with that comes a freedom and a sense of purpose, Time and ability to really examine your life, uh, what you've done and haven't done, reevaluate, and have a chance to look at changes you might want to make. When you when you mentioned freedom, what did what did you mean? What what does what kind of freedom are you Well, I, about? I think there's a
1: few things that really happen. It frees you up to be committed to the truth, and to value what you have so much more, and to, to begin to discover the purpose of your life and what's happened. Because you do, you can't help it. That just seems to be something that begins to come out. Um, it also says this. This man says it, He says death no longer seems so far away. He says training for it and experiencing its closeness has brought certain gifts: the gift of clarity, of pur- clarification, finding your purpose and love. Are what human beings spend a much of their lifetime longing for and failing to find when you're facing a situation like this it's being the challenging situation is in our faces and we can look at it as terrible or we can look at it as an opportunity for real change and growth i look at it that way i also know it brings up the emotions for sure nobody's denying that but to, we've talked about it in other episodes, we had ten principles on how to cope during difficult times and survive. And we talked about the spirit of fear. And the spirit of fear is around, the, it's all over the place now. The key really is, of course everybody feels fear. And some of it is very healthy, because you got to take precautions. Nobody's. But we're talking about not letting the spirit of fear take you over, and determine your Becoming instead of being responsive, to become reactive. Reactive, yeah. And to begin to do things that are not very constructive and not very good anymore. So when that happens, we tell people, okay, that's acknowledging the emotion is very important. In fact, having a, a way of getting through it is also very important. Um, we help people do that all the time. But to stay there and to let it consume them will control their lives. And if that happens, and it does, people do some very... Destructive things, destructive things. To
0: themselves and others.
1: Yep. We've also seen people who get so fearful they don't even want to look at the truth of the situation. And those are the people that bury their head in the sand. Or they run away and deny the reality altogether. That's fear driven too. Mm-hmm. And what's the fear behind it all? They're afraid they're not going to survive. It's that simple. That they're going to, it's, and that they can't look at that. They yeah. And they're afraid to die. Yeah. So, we've seen that. We've seen many reactions. We've seen people make themselves really sick.
0: Physically sick. Yeah,
1: absolutely, um, we've seen people panic. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of that. Yeah. Um, it's not that that are those are when the the, the spirit of fear, the physio- physical manifestations of fear are taking over a person. There are ways to get through it. We we see people through it all the time. Done you do need to purge it and learn how to decompress it. But it also is recognizing for what it is and knowing how to deal with it. We're not saying don't be emotional. That would be, then don't be human. What we are saying is don't let the emotions dictate your whole perspective at all. Um, If you're talking about a normal feeling state, something that gives you the sensitivity and the reading on a situation, that's normal. We're talking about the emotionalism.
0: Right. The first one is a a more healthy fear, a caution that's called for. Mm -hmm. But the other, the destructive kind, is that panic-driven
1: Feeling. yeah we've seen too much of that we've seen a lot of it too yeah. so there's we're talking about some very valuable lessons that we can all on a massive le- a massive scale this time yes come to um, there's a guy Victor Frankl, we've mentioned him he was a, a, a came out of the holocaust and a brilliant man I found him to be very relevant when I was getting my master's and he wrote some incredible books about what he learned. The, he went through the Holocaust; his relatives and loved ones were killed yeah, in it. I think he, forget, I know his his philosophy was very important, but he was a psychiatrist. But he he wrote not in the sense of psychiatry, but in the sense of humanity. And I remember he would, he talked about seeing, ghastly situations that people had no control over; their lives were being ripped away, millions of them, of course. And he said, "We can't always." choose the difficulties and challenges in our life. He was right and he saw it firsthand, he knows. But we can choose how we respond.
0: Let's stop at that point, that is so, so important. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Peter and I are talking further about um, fear and um, the value of being aware of it, working through it, instead of being controlled by it. And that it is possible to to come through the other side of, of, of debilitating fear and grow stronger. Uh, Just before our break, Peter was mentioning Viktor Frankl, and how uh, the profound truth that he shared, which was that we cannot always control our circumstances, but we always have a choice how to respond.
1: Mm -hmm. And we can have dignity right to the end, just like um, C. Kappler-Rofrecks is right. He and his wife. Yeah, and he was right about himself. But he says, He says something that's really... He says when we accept the truth about our mortality, we can also experience remarkable freedom to take the time to say, I love you. To stop nursing resentments, thinking that forgiveness can always wait for another day. To cease pretending that little annoying things matter so much. To pick up our heads and look at the beauty of the world. To examine our beliefs about what really, really counts in life, as much as we can to mend relationships, and even for those who've never done it, to pray. He says if we take the chance to give, it gives us, to become truth-tellers, lovers, and reconcilers, he says we may well wind up giving thanks, but what we to come. Out of all of the difficulty, I think that says it beautifully, I've seen that happen before. And it's happened for me, and it's happened for many, many people that have been through crises and difficulties before. They really wind up being thankful and grateful for what they learned through the hardships and difficulties and suffering and pain. As unjust, as unfair, as brutal as it may have been, there's good that can come out of it. I really believe in, through this crisis that's going to happen. Um, I think it, it, for, for some people it's beginning to happen, but for most they're still living with such visceral fear and uh, they're afraid to get sick, they're afraid they're going to die. They're afraid
0: someone they love is going to die. Yeah. yeah.
1: When you look at it that way it can cause har- a terrible hardship and make it a, a hell on earth. It does not have to be that way. The reason we're doing this today, this broadcast, is because we're seeing the impact of this fearfulness, of this anxiety, and we're seeing how important it is for all people to begin to look more realistically at life, not to grow bitter and cynical.
0: And not to become just buried in, in, in um, depression or despair.
1: Yep. And we've seen enough of that already with people. No. And that's an indulgence. And that's a very costly one at that, by the way. And yet we're not telling people not to f- go through the emotion of it. We're telling them f- you're going to need to find ways to work it through. We have work that we've developed over many, many years that helps people with their, the uh, accumulation of this emotional tension and energy in their body and how important it is to get that freed up and out of your body so you're you can come back to a normal uh, uh, balance in your nervous system your whole physiology is it possible it's essential it is yep and animals do it i mean they're going into this you know fearful place but they let it go for the them
0: f- it's a very natural process yeah. that, that because we have uh, the cognitive function in our brain we can interrupt that process and many
1: people do unfortunately and then we're stuck yes. with this incredible intense energy
0: and that drains our physical health we're not designed
1: to hold that I and mean, yeah, many people, first responders do many caregivers do i've done it you've done it we've all done it the key is don't stay there get help talk to others reach out find out that but you're not alone. That's another important thing. As bad as things are, maybe that may be for you. Take a look around at what your fellow, what other people are going through. There's many people that are having it far worse than you. I think one of the healing principles that we always talk about is begin to reach out to others. See what you can do to help others. If you don't have the money to give, then give some time of your, of yourself to help others. And it begins to get some give you some perspective and it can actually be fulfilling, not just distracting. Because you're in the midst of your struggles and your pain, you're actually willing to help others. That's a very giving, mm-hmm. unselfish, selfless thing to do. It's also extraordinarily healing. It is. It's not just psychological and emotional, it's spiritually healing. Um, and I think people need to begin to do that, to reach out, to take a look around. There are so many people that are suffering. That are homeless, that don't can't afford food.
0: They're having trouble getting food. Yes. And
1: they don't have jobs. I was just reading about New Jersey is one of the he- most heavily hit mm-hmm. by this. Uh, New Jersey and New York, but New Jersey primarily, and people are on food lines in New Jersey for miles. The cars are lined up to try to get food because people can't afford to f- to feed themselves and their families. If I grew up in New Jersey, for that, for that's a state you wouldn't expect it. Mm-hmm. And yet people can't work. Yeah, They don't have money. So they're doing this. And you know, to reach out to a family like that, or to reach out to folks that don't have enough, and to help them in spite of how difficult your situation is, is so selfless and so healing. Not just for them, for you. For you. Yeah. The other he talks about, and this, yes. is, this is a tough one at times, to find a way to forgive. Um, this is a time to realize how important it is. Now, I don't claim to be 100 percenter on this one. But I know it's important. I've forgiven a lot of people. I, have, I know that there's things that have happened in my life more currently that I haven't totally forgiven. And the, the, the actions that people have done aren't good. I'm not saying what they're doing is all right. But to carry the grudges and the bitterness is so draining mm-hmm. on me that I realize that life's too short to do that. There's more important things to put my energy into.
0: I think that's part of, of one of the things you say about freedom. Letting go of old resentments and grudges does give us a sense of
1: freedom. No, it does. And if you can't do it, make sure you're surrounded by some supportive people. We At our at our institute, we're all caregivers and responders, but you know, we work in teams. And so we can support each other. And we do. And just to have the conversations we do to to help each other to take care of our own, we do it. It pays off in spades. Um, we don't have too many turnover, too many people turning mm-hmm. over yeah. um, and looking for new jobs. Not that we were a high paying place, but we take care of each other and we make sure everyone is okay. Um, compared to what agent caregiving agencies uh, do, they may pay them well or not, but they make money off of it. But their turnover rates 70 or 80 percent. Ours is maybe, I'm thinking almost nothing, Almost nothing. over years, nothing. because we know how to take care of our people. And it's not because we have a lot of money to pay, it's more, there are more important things to, to, uh, to deal with. We want to convey today that out of this very difficult time you're being forced to look at yourself, just like we all do as caregivers because we're facing situations that we can't control. We've been taken out of our normal routines of life and all of a sudden we don't know what to do with ourselves. Um, a lot of people are not what you call self-starters, so they get—they just are petrified. They don't know what to do next. This is a tough time. This is really tough. People can't work. Their businesses are closing. I would have expected a whole lot more bankruptcies by now. Um, it's, it's, it's rough on folks. There's no, nobody's minimizing it. But what we're saying is, just watch and see the goodness that can be and the meaningfulness and purpose of all of this. You're going to find that hope will come out of this. Someday, my guess is, when I look back on this, we'll all realize that we came to grips with certain things we never would have done unless this happened. In the meantime, we need to survive. We need to figure out how to put one foot in front of the other. We need support. We need to support each other. Um, We need to care for each other and reach out um, and have more empathy for our fellow man. Um, Those that you may not have ever related to or wanted to, this is a time to reach out and to help. As far as yourself, have the courage to be able to look at yourself as painful as it may be and reexamine. What you've been like, what your attitudes have been like, your behaviors—come um, to grips with certain things in yourself where you may have professed to be something, but when it really came down to it, that's not truly what you were. This is a time to feel it, find the genuine you, and what purpose you have in your life, and probably what you can, what you're going to do for the rest of your life, where you can find true meaning, and caring and love now that you couldn't have found before. So, I know we're coming to the end of this episode, but I really feel strongly today, and so does Jenny, that this is a very important time. And it certainly has been a there's continuity between what we've been pr- talking about on many, many episodes and what's really truthfully happening. Yes. So we can apply and help you apply so much of what we've talked about to help you through this. And whatever you need, let us know. Um, Jenny's going to give you the information how you get in touch with us, but hang in there. Stay well. Um, healthy fear is okay, and precaution is okay. Um, but remember, um, don't let your fears get so out of control that you lose your perspective completely and you become very reactive. I've seen too much of that. Not a good idea. So hang in there, everybody. And then Jenny's got.
0: Yeah, let me fill everyone in. and first, I'll just say that the survivor's guide to life, is made possible through a grant from Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 public charity. Uh, we do, they depend on donations from people like you. Uh, their website, sctraumatreatment.org, and there is a place there to make a donation. I want to let you know too about our website, the thesurvivorsguidetolife.com, where you'll find all of our the audio podcasts, you'll find resources and papers, um, the One of them is going to uh, give a lot more information about those principles that we've been going over several times. Uh, you'll be able to download a copy of that right here. I know Steve, I'm getting to we it. We have a
1: producer that gives us a He's pointing line. to the camera
0: because he wants me to say that we are also on YouTube, which we are. But I wanted everyone to know that the, our website has resources that we've been talking about. Uh, we're also on Facebook and instagram please like us and share Uh, we have uh, that's both the survivor's guide to life and peter has his own personal instagram Uh, another resource that's available is peter's book trauma Healing the Hidden Epidemic, which is available at uh, Amazon and other book-selling outlets.
1: I wrote some new papers on that. And there are thing.
0: many papers on our Survivor's Guide to Life website, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch, and we would love that, we would love your feedback and any questions you have, uh, please contact us at uh, 707-781-3335, or you could email me at Jenny. J-E-N-N-Y, at Institute.com. We thank you for listening, and we will be back again next week. Stay safe, stay well. Uh, We hope that what we share with you today is of real value and meaning for you.
1: Stay well.